Chapter Five of The Story of Eclipses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. The Story of Eclipses by George Chambers. Chapter Five. What is observed during the earlier stages of an eclipse of the sun? The information given in this and the next following chapters will almost exclusively concern total and annular eclipses of the sun, for, in real truth, there is practically only one thing to think about during a partial eclipse of the sun. This is, to watch when the moon's black body comes on to the sun and goes off again, for there are no subsidiary phenomena, either interesting or uninteresting, unless, indeed, the eclipse should be nearly total the progress of astronomical science in regard to eclipses has been so extensive and remarkable of late years that unless the various points for consideration are kept together under well-defined heads it will be almost impossible either for a writer or a reader to do full justice to the subject having regard to the fact that the original conception of this volume was that it should serve as a forerunner to the total solar eclipse of may twenty eighth nineteen hundred and through that to other total eclipses from a popular rather than from a technical standpoint i think it would be best to mention one by one the principal features which spectators should look out for and to do so as nearly as may be in the order which nature itself will observe when the time comes of course the commencement of an eclipse which is virtually the moment when the encroachment on the circular outline of the sun by the moon begins or can be seen though interesting as a proof that the astronomer's prophecy is about to be fulfilled is not a matter of any special importance even in a popular sense much less in a scientific sense as a rule the total phase does not become imminent so to speak until a whole hour and more has elapsed since the first contact and that hour will be employed by the scientific observer less in looking at the sun than in looking at his instruments and apparatus he will do this for the purpose of making quite sure that everything will be ready for the total utilization to the utmost extent of the precious seconds of time into which all his delicate observations have to be squeezed during the total phase with these preliminary observations i shall proceed now to break up the remainder of what i have to say respecting total eclipses into what suggest themselves as convenient sectional heads the moon's shadow and the darkness it causes in awaiting the darkness which is expected to manifest itself an unthinking and inexperienced observer is apt to look out for the coming obscurity as he looks out for nightfall half an hour or more after sunset and during the evening twilight the darkness of an eclipse is all this and something more it is something more in two senses for the interval of time between the commencement of an eclipse and totality is different in duration and different in quality so to speak from the diminution of daylight on the earth which ensues as the twilight of evening runs its course speaking roughly sunset may be described as an almost instantaneous loss of full sunlight and the gradual loss of daylight is noticeable even at such short intervals as from one five minutes to another this is by no means the case previous to a total eclipse of the sun when that is about to occur the reduction of the effective sunlight is far more gradual for instance half an hour after an eclipse has commenced more than half the sun's disk will still be imparting light to the earth but half an hour after the sunset the deficiency of daylight will be very much more marked and if no artificial light is at hand very much more inconvenient if there should be within easy reach of the observer's post a bushy tree such for instance as an elm thirty feet or forty feet high 
and spreading out sufficiently for him to place himself under it in a straight line with the sun and with a nice smooth surface of ground for the sun's rays to fall on he will see a multitude of images of the sun thrown upon the ground until the eclipse has commenced these images will be tiny circles overlapping one another and of course each of these circles means so many images of the sun these images indeed can be seen on any fine day and the circles increase in size in proportion to the height of the foliage above the ground being something like one inch for every ten feet it may be remarked by the way that the images are circles because the sun is a source of light having a circular outline and is not a point of light like a star if it were the outline of the foliage would be reproduced on the ground leaf for leaf it follows naturally from all this that when in consequence of there being an eclipse in progress the shape of the sun's contour gradually changes so will the shape of the solar images on the ground change becoming eventually so many crescents moreover the horns of the crescent-shaped images will be in the reverse direction to the horns of the actual crescent of the sun at the moment the rays of the sun crossing as they pass through the foliage just as if each interstice were a lens supposing there are some spots on the sun at a time when an eclipse is in progress the moon's passage over those spots may as well be noticed in bygone years some amount of attention was devoted to this matter with a view of ascertaining whether any alteration took place in the appearance of the spots distortion for instance such as might be produced by the intervention of a lunar atmosphere no such distortion was ever noticed and observations with this idea in view may be said to possess now only an academic interest for it may be regarded as a well-established fact that the moon has no atmosphere during the passage of the moon over sun-spots an opportunity is afforded of comparing the blackness or perhaps we should rather say the intensity of the shade of a sun-spot with the blackness of the moon's disk testimony herein is unanimous that the blackness of the moon during the stages of a partial eclipse is intense compared with the darkest parts of a sun-spot and this be it remembered in spite of the fact that during the partial phase the atmosphere between the observer and the sun is brilliantly illuminated whilst the moon itself being exposed to earthshine is by no means absolutely devoid of an illumination when the moon is passing across the sun there have often been noticed along the limb of the moon fringes of color and dark and bright bands this might not necessarily be a real appearance for it is conceivable that such traces of color might be due to the telescopes employed not having been truly achromatic that is not sufficiently corrected for color but making every allowance for this possible source of mistake there yet remains proof that the color which has often been seen has been real as to whether the moon's limb can be seen during a partial eclipse or during the partial phase of what is to be a total eclipse the evidence is somewhat conflicting there is no doubt that when the totality is close at hand the moon's limb can be seen projected on the corona presently to be described but the question is whether the far-off limb of the moon can be detected in the open sky whilst something like full daylight still prevails on earth undoubtedly the preponderance of evidence is against the visibility of the moon as a whole under such circumstances but there is nevertheless some testimony to the contrary a french observer Elie, said that three photographic plates of the eclipse of eighteen fifty eight seen in south america all showed the outer limb of the moon with more or less distinctness this testimony be it noted is photographic and not visual 
and on the whole it seems safest to say that there is very small probability of the moon as a whole ever being seen under the circumstances in question what has just been said concerns the visibility of the moon during quite the early or on the other hand during quite the late stages of the total eclipse immediately before or after totality the visibility of the whole contour of the moon is a certain fact and the only point upon which there is a difference of opinion is as to what are the time limits beyond which the moon must not be expected to be seen the various records are exceedingly contradictory perhaps the utmost that can be said is that the whole moon must not be expected to be visible until about twenty minutes before totality or for more than five minutes after totality but it must be admitted that these figures are very uncertain in regard to any particular eclipse it has been sometimes noticed when the crescent of the sun has become comparatively small say that the sun was about seven eighths covered that the uncovered portion exhibited evident color which has been described variously as violet brick red reddish pink orange yellowish the observations on this point are not very numerous and as will appear from the statement just made are not very consistent still it seems safe to assume that a hue more or less reddish does often pervade the uncovered portion of a partially eclipsed sun the remark just made as regards the sun seems to have some application to the moon there are a certain number of instances on record that what is commonly spoken of as the black body of the moon does under certain circumstances display traces of red which has been variously spoken of as crimson dull coppery reddish brown and dull glowing coal shadow bands let us suppose that we have a chance of observing a total eclipse of the sun have completed all our preliminary preparations have taken note of everything which needs to be noted or suggests itself for the purpose up till nearly the grand climax and that the clock tells us that we are within say five minutes of totality somewhere about this time perhaps we shall be able to detect dancing across the landscape singular wavy lines of light and shade these are the shadow bands as they are called the phrase is curiously inexplicit but seemingly cannot be improved upon at present because the philosophy of these appearances their origin and the laws which regulate their visibility are unknown perhaps because amid the multitude of other things to think about sufficient attention has hitherto not been paid to the study of them these shadow bands are most striking if a high plastered wall such as the front of a stone or stuccoed house is in their track as a screen to receive them the shadow bands seem to vary both in breadth and distance apart at different eclipses and also in the speed with which they pass along though as already stated little is known of their origin yet they may be conceived to be due to irregularities in the atmospheric refraction of the slender beam of light coming from the waning or waxing crescent of the sun for be it understood they may be visible after totality as well as before it it is to be remarked that they have never been photographed in addition to the shadow bands there are instances on record of the limbs of the sun's crescent appearing to undulate violently on the approach of totality these undulations were noticed by airy in eighteen forty two about six minutes before totality blake in america in eighteen sixty nine observed the same phenomenon eight minutes before totality in other cases the interval would seem to have been very much shorter a mere matter of seconds a very singular observation was made in eighteen fifty eight by mr j d smith at laycock abbey wiltshire 
on the occasion of the annular eclipse of that year he says both my brother and myself were distinctly impressed with the conviction that the withdrawal of light was not continuous but by pulsations or as it were waves of obscuration the darkness increasing by strokes which sensibly smote the eye and were repeated distinctly some five or seven times after we had remarked the phenomenon and before the time of greatest obscuration they did not occur on the return of light which came back continuously and without shock or break rumker mentions that though this phenomenon was very apparent to the naked eye it was not visible in the telescope faint rays or brushes of light sometimes seem to spring from the diminishing crescent of the sun these rays generally are very transient and are not very conspicuous and perhaps must be distinguished as regards both their appearance and their origin from the more striking rays which are usually seen a few minutes before or after totality and which are generally associated with or even deemed to belong to the corona figure seven represents these rays as seen in spain on july eighteenth eighteen sixty some minutes after totality they are described as having been well defined but at some moments more marked than at others and though well defined yet constantly varying radiations of light more or less of the character just described may probably be regarded as a standing feature of every total eclipse the approach of totality the next thing to think about and to look for is the approach of the moon's shadow i have mentioned this already and also the appalling velocity with which it seems to approach by this time the coming darkness which characterizes every total phase will have reached an advanced stage of development the darkness begins to be felt the events which manifest themselves at this juncture on the earth rather than in the sky around the sun are so graphically described by the american writer whom i have already quoted and who writes moreover from personal experience that i cannot do better than transfer her striking account to my pages then with frightful velocity the actual shadow of the moon is often seen approaching a tangible darkness advancing almost like a wall swift as imagination silent as doom the immensity of nature never comes quite so near as then and strong must be the nerves not to quiver as this blue-black shadow rushes upon the spectator with incredible speed a vast palpable presence seems overwhelming in the world the blue sky changes to gray or dull purple speedily becoming more dusky and a death-like trance seizes upon everything earthly birds with terrified cries fly bewildered for a moment and then silently seek their night quarters bats emerge stealthily sensitive flowers the scarlet pimpernel the african mimosa close their delicate petals and a sense of hushed expectancy deepens with the darkness an assembled crowd is awed into absolute silence almost invariably trivial chatter and senseless joking cease sometimes the shadow engulfs the observer smoothly sometimes apparently with jerks but all the world might well be dead and cold and turned to ashes often the very air seems to hold its breath for sympathy and at other times a lull suddenly awakens into a strange wind blowing with unnatural effect then out upon the darkness gruesome but sublime flashes the glory of the incomparable corona a silvery soft unearthly light with radiant streamers stretching at times millions of uncomprehended miles into space while the rosy flaming protuberances skirt the black rim of the moon in ethereal splendor it becomes curiously cold 
dew frequently forms and the chill is perhaps mental as well as physical suddenly instantaneous as a lightning flash an arrow of actual sunlight strikes the landscape and earth comes to life again while the corona and protuberances melt into the returning brilliance and occasionally the receding lunar shadow is glimpsed as it flies away with the tremendous speed of its approach in connection with the approach of the moon's shadow it is to be noted that at totality the heavens appear in a certain sense to descend upon the earth if an observer is looking upwards towards the zenith over his head he will see the clouds appear to drop towards the earth and the surrounding gloom seems also to have the effect of vitiating one's estimate of distances to an observer upon a high hill a plain below him appears to become more distant although what has been called the descent of the clouds that is to say their appearance of growing proximity is most manifest immediately before the totality yet a sense of growing nearness may sometimes be noticed a very considerable time before the total phase is reached whilst on the subject of clouds it may be mentioned that although there is in the vault of heaven generally during the total phase an appreciable sensation of black darkness more or less absolute that is to say either blackish or grayish yet in certain regions of the sky generally in the direction of the horizon the clouds where there are any often exhibit colors in strata orange hue below and red above with indigo or gray or black higher up still right away to the sun's place the cause of these differences is to be found in the fact that the lower part of the atmosphere within the area of the moon's shadow is under the circumstances in question illuminated by light which having passed through many miles of atmosphere near to the earth's surface has lost much from the violet end of its spectrum leaving an undue proportion of the red end on certain occasions iridescent or rainbow tinted clouds may be seen in the vicinity of the sun either before or during or after totality depending on circumstances unknown such clouds have been observed at all these three stages of a total eclipse the effects of course are atmospheric and have no physical connection with either sun or moon the darkness of totality with respect to the general darkness which prevails during totality greater discrepancies appear in the accounts not only as between different eclipses but in respect of the same eclipse observed by different people at different places perhaps the commonest test applied by most observers is that of the facility or difficulty of reading the faces of chronometers or watches sometimes this is done readily at other times with difficulty in india in eighteen sixty eight one observer stated that it was impossible to recognize a person's face three yards off and lamplight was needed for reading his chronometer on the other hand in spain in eighteen sixty it was noted that a thermometer as well as the finest handwriting could be read easily the foregoing remarks apply to the state of things in the open air in eighteen sixty it was stated that inside a house in spain the darkness was so great that people moving about had to take great care lest they should run violently against the household furniture perhaps on the whole it may be said that the darkness of an ordinary totality is decidedly greater than that of a full moon night many observers have noted during totality that even when there has not been any very extreme amount of absolute darkness yet the ruddy light already mentioned as prevailing towards the horizon often gives rise to weird unearthly effects so that the faces of bystanders assume a sickly livid hue not unlike that which results from the light of burning salt 
meteorological and other effects it is very generally noticed that great changes take place in the meteorological conditions of the atmosphere as an eclipse of the sun runs its course from partial phase to totality and back again to partial phase it goes without saying that the obstruction of the solar rays by the oncoming moon would necessarily lead to a steady and considerable diminution in the general temperature of the air this has often been made the matter of exact thermometric record but it is not equally obvious why marked changes in the wind should take place as the partial phase proceeds it is very usual for the wind to rise or blow in gusts and to die away during totality though there are many exceptions to this and it can hardly be called a rule the depression of temperature varies very much indeed according to the locality where the eclipse is being observed and the local thermometric conditions which usually prevail the actual depression will often amount to ten degrees to twenty degrees and the deposit of dew is occasionally noticed in addition to the general effects of a total solar eclipse on men animals and plants as summarized in the extract already made from mrs todd's book a few additional particulars may be culled from many recorded observations flowers and leaves which ordinarily close at night begin long before totality to show signs of closing up thus we are told that in eighteen thirty six the crocus gentian and anemone partially closed their flowers and reopened them as the phenomenon passed off and a delicate south african mimosa which we had reared from a seed entirely folded its pinnate leaves until the sun was uncovered in eighteen fifty one the night violet which shortly before the beginning of the eclipse had little of its agreeable scent about it smelt strongly during the totality in the insect world ants have been noticed to go on working during totality whilst grasshoppers are still by the darkness and earthworms come to the surface birds of all kinds seem always upset in their habits almost invariably going to roost as the darkness becomes intensified before totality in eighteen sixty eight a small cock which had beforehand been actively employed in grubbing about in the sand went to sleep with his head under his wing and slept for about ten minutes and on waking uttered an expression of surprise but did not crow in eighteen sixty nine mention is made of an unruly cow accustomed to jump into a cornfield at night being found to have trespassed into the said cornfield during the total phase the thrilling descriptions of the effects of the oncoming darkness of totality derived from the records of past total eclipses are not likely to be improved upon in the future for we shall receive them more and more from amateurs and less and less from astronomical experts every additional total eclipse which happens testifies to the fact that the time and thoughts of those later classes of people will be to an increasing degree dedicated to instrumental work rather than to simple naked eye or even telescopic observation the spectroscope and the camera are steadily ousting the simple telescope of every sort and unassisted eye observations from solar eclipse work mrs todd has the following apt remarks by way of a summary of the results to an individual observing a total eclipse of the sun i doubt if the effect of witnessing a total eclipse ever quite passes away the impression is singularly vivid and quieting for days and can never be wholly lost a startling nearness to the gigantic forces of nature and their inconceivable operation seems to have been established personalities and towns and cities and hates and jealousies and even mundane hopes grow very small and very far away 
End of chapter 5